Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com. Kirsten Watson is a mom of seven. Yes, you heard that correctly. And the wife of author and retired NFL player Benjamin Watson. Her debut book, Sis, Take a Breath, offers encouragement for moms who need permission to exhale. Together, she and Ben founded the One More Foundation, which is devoted to spreading love and hope to one more soul. Y'all, we are so excited to have the two of you on our podcast. This has been in the making now for two years. Yes, two years. We're so excited. So can we start off by, we all just talk a little bit about your family? Because that could take a minute or two. <laughs> That's our whole family. Like, how, much, how much time do you have? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and your story, both of you. Yes. Well, there's seven Watson kids. We call them the seven arrows. Mm. That wasn't the plan, right. first of all. Well, I'm sure we'll get into this, but I may as well go ahead and say it. We talked about having four kids. Four was a great uh, number. It was a great number, but wow. somebody couldn't keep their hands off of me. Oh, gosh. See, this is why I should start the conversation <laughs> and, always. And so, always so, I should start. I don't so know why kept, I was so... We just blew right past four, you know, because she wanted more of me and more kids, I guess. Oh, is that how Boom, I went? there it is. There, Seven there kids. It is. Seven kids later. That's hilarious. Yes, but we have been married 16 years. We met at the University of Georgia at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I was playing softball and Benjamin transferred from Duke and knew something was better at the University of Georgia at the uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And that is how we found each other. (laughs) That's a a pretty accurate assessment. I saw her her for the first time after I transferred and it was one of those first university block parties to kind of jump off the year. And I saw her, didn't talk to her, but I saw her from afar. She had a halo. Uh-huh. And um, mm. uh, no, but no, but in all seriousness, she did stand out to me very much so. She had red pants on because it was Georgia, not because she was hot, but she was hot. <laughs> um, and a crisp white shirt. And then we didn't end up really talking or dating until much, much later. But that was the first time I saw her. Mm-hmm. The rest is history. The rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> And tell the ages of your children. Yes. Yeah, this, this is, is the part I, I really would give over because I have to pause and think about each kid's face. So we have Grace, <laughs> who is 13, Naomi is 12, Isaiah is 10, Judah is 9, Eden is 6, and we have twins, Asher and Levi, that just turned three years old. All of oh, three. Y'all, I'm surprised you didn't have to write it all down. Listen, <laughs> no. I have to, to have see notes. their faces and remember what month yes. I'm in, and then I'm good. 13 to 3. Wow. I just want to bring the two of you a cup of coffee right Please. now. I'm about to get in the car and drive it there. I, I would take it gladly. <laughs> get it right in time for us to go pick them up from school. So we, we just put the three-year-olds down for a nap, and the other five are at school. Mm-hmm. Whew. 
It's amazing. Yeah. And what is every bit as amazing, Kirsten, you have a new book out. We're going to talk in a minute about how you even had time to write a no new book. Kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and will you say what it is and why you felt like this book was important? Yes, it's called Sis Take a Breath. Mm. I can't take complete credit for that. It was friends and Benjamin and the Lord who were really like, ultimately the Lord is like, you're writing a book. I'm like, I don't have time for that, Lord. You must mean someone else. And just in an act of obedience, honestly, and tons of support and the Holy Spirit really just saying, this is what we're going to do. This book came out and it was a message that I didn't know that I had. But when writing it and thinking of stories, realizing that God was faithful through all of those years. And so do I think it's important? I think it's a book for myself, which I feel mm. like the more authors I talk to, they I realize they write things for themselves ultimately. <laughs> and mm. it's a message for me and one that I think many women resonate with in terms of just being really busy and being really involved and wanting to be the best and do the best in all their areas at home, in their marriage, with their kids, at work. And how do we do that well? And I don't think we do that without inviting God into it and taking a breath of Him and realizing that we step out in a much more powerful way when we invite God into the story. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the message. It's just a really a message of encouragement that, you know, you don't need anyone else's story or journey. Yours is fantastic. It's the one God gave you. And how do you do that when things are going great? And how do you do that when things are terrible mm. and overwhelming and you feel like you can't? In all of it, God is there and He is breathing life into us. And so which is encouraging women where they are that you can do this because you're not alone. Mm. Yeah. So that's it. <laughs> I love that you use the word powerful. That is exactly right, which mm -hmm. is obviously what you are as a mom Aww. to even manage all that you do. I don't think we've ever had anybody on the podcast who has seven children. Oh, well, there you go. Hey, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Now, <laughs> is there a prize like uh, in the form of babysitters that you'll be sending to us via FedEx? That's a great idea. <laughs> yes. Oh, y'all. I'm sure you thought about this writing the book, but like, how do you prioritize time for yourselves? How do you prioritize time as a couple? How do you just make it work on a daily basis? I mean, you don't want writing the book. Oh. I will say, <laughs> uh, I, so you don't want to toot your own horn. I get it. I will toot it for you. I will say that Kirsten is very, very organized. One thing that attracted me to her way back when at Georgia, as I got to know her, was the fact that she's very intentional with everything that she does. She's very organized. Everything has their place. And it allows her to get a lot accomplished in a lot of chaos. We sometimes call our house K-ordered. So it's chaos <laughs> slash ordered. That's good. The only way that we survive and that we get anything done is because there's some sort of order. And she does a fabulous job of teaching and demonstrating what it means to have expectations of what the day is going to look like. The kids know we snack time at this time. We go to bed at this time. Dinner's this time. We do our homework at this time. And not to the sense where you're like burdened down with like legalism and law, but there's a certain joy I think that you get when you have the expectations and when you know that everything has a place to put it in, including your time. Mm. And so watching her write the book, look, I think a lot of moms can like probably relate to this, but by the time the kids go to bed and you get back from work or whatever, you like fall out. I mean, there are probably moms and it's bedtime. I think there's a lot of moms that go to sleep with all their clothes on exactly. at like at like 8.15 when the kids go to bed. And Kirsten is no different. Yeah. She'll be knocked out. 
But I saw her many times staying up a little bit later, finding time during nap time, getting on calls and writing and editing and doing all those sorts of things so that she could get this project done. Mm. If you can't tell, I'm just excited for her. I'm, <laughs> I'm still on cloud now. I'm happy that she was able to produce this project because it's going to impact a lot of women. And also, I will say, it's been incredible to see how the kids have like started cheering on mommy because another thing about moms, many moms deal with this, I think in a different way than dads do is that the kids look at you and say, what do you do? (laughs) Did did you, can you do a cartwheel? Like mom, I didn't know that you could actually like run fast. Like mom, I didn't know that you could do this. And and you're looking at them like, of course I can. Like I I was doing, I can do a lot of things and I did a lot of things for you even born. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's Mm -hmm. been fun to see, you know, how the kids have got behind her. And it's it's an inspiration really to all of us. Mm, thank you. Mm. No, I just to echo this, how do you do the time thing? I think one thing that we've done together in our household is like he's, he mentioned our schedules. And so even if Benjamin is traveling, even if he, when he was playing football, like we really maintained and cultivated a time what was important to us from the very beginning. And one thing I remember in the very beginning saying is like, we need to have dinner together. Like eating is very important to me. Like I enjoy food and I enjoy mm-hmm. talking while I eat my food and having conversation. I just think so much happens around eating and around the table. Yeah. And so even as Benjamin was playing football, even as he's traveling now, it's like one thing we hold sacred is our time together around the table. So that's either breakfast mm-hmm. or dinner, you know, because the kids are at school for lunch. But we just are very intentional what was important to us. And so in order to do that, you have to make that a priority. It has to go on to the calendar. Like our date night has to make it on. We have to find a, you know, like when we move new places, we don't have anyone to watch our kids because we're new. And so it's like, Lord, you have got to send a babysitter. Like, (laughs) please hurry quickly because we need to get away (laughs) together. And so the things that we prioritize are time with each other, time with our kids and time together as a family. And then even now, like prioritizing time with the Lord. We mentioned one of the things when we first met, before I knew who Benjamin was, one of the first things he said at an FCA meeting was, my dad always told me that when you're in a relationship, you should be on one side, she's on the other side, and God's at the top of the triangle. And the only way you all actually get closer is if you're individually moving toward the Lord. And so that's a priority for us. Like time with the Lord is a priority because that's how we grow in each other. That's how we learn what we're told to do. And that's how we hear from the Lord. And so like right now we're reading through the Bible together in a year and we don't read it literally together, but it's you know, we'll be in passing, like he'll be, you know, doing something and I'm doing something else. I'm like, did you read what he said about this? And we're like preaching each other's sermons uh-huh. over what we've read. And like, did you catch that? Did you catch that? And I think those are the things by prioritizing those things in those big buckets, it allows everything else to kind of fall into place. I hate to say it that way because mm. it's totally K-ordered. So it's not mm. perfect, but it's like the main things get taken care of and everything else kind of just happens or has to get altered or someone is sick. And, but it's like, we've still prioritized the main things that are important to us. Mm. Yes. I yeah, love that's that. wonderful. Okay. I do have a really specific question. Yeah. Do you have one babysitter at a time? <laughs> right now we have no babysitters. <laughs> I was thinking people probably had a tag team or something. <laughs> I wish we had a tag team going on. Never in our 
16, well, I guess we've been having kids since 13, for 13 years, we've relied on our moms who never lived with us. Mm. So if we had to go somewhere. And never lived close to us. I mean, this is the first time we've been within driving distance of any of them because we've lived, you know, so far away from the South. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But what is funny is, is, you know, sometimes we'll try out a new babysitter and they'll say, yeah, you know, I can do it. Oh, I'm good at this. I've been doing this for so long. Like, okay, well, we're going to try you out. So you come over, hang out with the kids. We're going to go. We'll be gone for maybe 45 minutes to an hour just so you can get a little taste. Yeah. And, and we'll come back sometimes and the babysitter will be almost in like an Olympic track stance. Running. No, um, that was one time. Ready to, ready to go. Like, I've had enough. The hair is all over the place. They're like... That did happen. That did happen one. But two, but two in the, in, and I wanted her to stay, but it was four kids that were four to half and under. Yeah, back then. Back wow. to, this is when she was in the running stand. So I, yeah. wow. I got home and I saw her face and I was like, oh, this is not going to work, huh? And she's like, I think it's not going to work. But Lord has always sent us one person in every yeah. city that we've lived in. He's always in. showed up. He has been faithful wow. to find the one person who can do. And that's why we have to do the schedule because if I don't have a schedule for people at night, no one will come to my house to watch Mm. seven crazy people. So (laughs) it's important that they all know the schedule so that when I come in, I say, okay, listen, you're just going to feed them. They're already going to, they're going to brush their teeth. They're going to get, we're going to pray. They sing the same song every night and then they're going to go to bed. They're like, yeah, right. I'm like, no, I'm serious. You just throw the twins in there. They'll be fine. And if it really doesn't work, then no one will come. And so, you know, I need people to follow the rules so that I can get out with this guy by ourselves and cut I'm my own sure. food. Yeah. <laughs> Good yes. for you. Yes. Well, speaking of those seven amazing young people, one of our most commonly asked questions is about siblings and what parents can do to help them get along better. And so just would love to hear you all speak to what are some secrets you all could share with us to foster stronger relationships between siblings? Yeah, I don't know if we have many great secrets because it's been trial and error. And I I think that for a lot of parents, I think a lot of parents need to hear that kids are going to fight sometimes. You know, they're going to be kids. Kirsten talks about this a lot of times, you know, even in her book when she talks about like comparison and how we so many times as parents compare our life to somebody else's highlight reel. And we're all guilty of putting on, you know, on social media when the kids are getting along and having fun. Well, sometimes we need to put on there when they're fighting so that people know that that's normal, that there are these types of rivalries. But one thing we've also tried to do is whenever one of the kids is involved with something, everybody needs to go support. Mm. My oldest daughter is really into ballet. She's on point. She goes five, six days a week. Another daughter was into soccer. My son was into flag football. You know, whatever they do. We want all the kids to come and cheer them on because that's their brother or sister. Mm -hmm. And so it's one thing if you're at home, you're not getting along. That's going to happen sometimes. But when we go outside this house, we want you all to be the biggest cheerleaders of your brothers and sisters' success because we believe that's going to last a lifetime. They need to appreciate how they're all made differently, appreciate their different talents, and also appreciate the fact that if nobody else is going to cheer you on, there should be nine people, well, eight you know, because they're minus themselves, that are going to cheer you on in this household and whatever you're doing, they should be able to rely on that. So that's one way Mm. we try to do, especially when it comes to 
the different activities that they're involved with. Yeah, I would say another time that comes up, and this is probably the first year that it didn't happen, is with birthdays. So clearly we have a lot of birthdays in our house. And I sure. remember very <laughs> early on a child saying well, do you, to Benjamin specifically, well, do you not love me as much when it's not my birthday? Because it seems like we're like doubting mm. on the person who, you know, we're celebrating. And so we've always had been intentional about conversations saying just because we say good job to one of your siblings does not mean we're saying bad job to you. Mm. Once a year, we'll all have an opportunity and you'll be the person that we're celebrating. And so just really, you know, like Benjamin said, not comparing is a big thing, but also, you know, when a kid goes through something hard, sharing that experience with our other kids. So it's not only the successes, but it's like, hey, this is, this is really challenging. Like you're having a problem with a friend. Like how do we step in and support you know, then you'll hear my kids say like, wait, who's being mean to you? Let me see them in the hall, you oh, know, whatever. Ready to fight. And like, they're Ooh. ready to like, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's having those conversations <laughs> with them and saying, guys, when one person wins in this house, we all win. And so we should all be on board. And, mm. and also another thing we do is we recognize when we do feel like there's jealousy and we call it out. I say, listen, if there's any time that you're feeling this way, like you're not getting the attention that you need or you're feeling jealous of something, I'm like, let's talk about it. And so we just put it out on the table. Like, you know, why is your attitude change? Why is your face look a little different? You know, then you have those conversations and so you don't give it power. Mm, and so, so I say, good. you know, if you are jealous of your sibling for something or you wish you had something, it's better to go and acknowledge it than letting it sit inside of you and take root. And then it becomes something else. Then you're going to end up sinning because you're, you know, it just, it doesn't play out well. So let's just call it what it is. Go tell your sibling, Hey, I really like this new toy you got. Can I play with it too? And let's deal with it from there rather than letting things fester. And plus all of our kids share a room and they will continue to share a room for a lot until they get out of my house. All of them shared a room with one other person or they're all in the same room? They're oh, all in I, the same room. I, they're I, all way over there. No, and we say, kidding. you stay on that he's side kidding. of the room and don't you dare come over where we are right now. He's kidding. He's kidding. You got a one room house. That would be awesome. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Lord, that we don't have to live like that. Yes. They all, except for one, because she's in the middle of two boys and two boys on older, two boys are younger, mm. but she kind of shares with the girls. But you know, when you share space with somebody, you really got to get through some stuff because we have different personalities, how people like to clean or not clean and when they go to the bathroom and when they don't and all of those things come up. And so with everyone being so different, it just gives a lot of opportunity for conversation. And so I hope, I mean, there's many things I hope our kids walk out of our house with, but I hope they understand that conflict happens and we're not afraid of it. We're just going to talk about it. And we may walk away disagreeing, but we still have to respect each other. Yeah. I think that parents have a lot of power that we don't realize when it comes to sibling rivalry. And one of the biggest things I think, especially if you have multiple children, even if you have two, if you have more than one, I think that this may be an issue. I'm always trying to be mindful and don't do it very well, but trying to spend significant time with each child affirming their interests. Mm. And also, we all as parents, as people, have a certain bent towards what we want to acknowledge and what we want to lift up from our kids. For example, if you're a dad and you love sports, you may have a kid that really loves playing sports. And so you're there, you're cheering them on. Then you have another son who wants to get into dance or another son that's really into art and into music. And that's really not your thing. So how do we as parents make sure that we affirm them in their specific talents and make their talents and their interests feel valuable, not better or worse than anybody else's? 
And I think that that's kind of a constant check that we have to have as parents because we can actually breed jealousy and envy into our kids as they fight for our affections in the different spaces and the different desires and talents and things that they're involved with. If we're not as parents also, you know, affirming them and and cheering them on, whatever it is. That's good. Love that y'all are so thoughtful about that. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Did you know that Minnow has an award-winning children's Bible written by VeggieTales creator Phil Vischer? The Minnow Laugh and Grow Bible for Kids is more than a children's Bible storybook. It's a deep, engaging, and whimsical gospel experience. Each Bible story is vividly illustrated, takes just minutes to read, and includes a family connection to encourage readers to learn, talk, and pray together. Find out more at shop.gominnow.com. That's shop.gominno.com. This season of our podcast is called Modern Parents Vintage Values. And if y'all had to say a vintage value that you think kids struggle with today more than ever before, what would it be? And what do you think we can do to help? Mm. I had kind of a couple. One of them, I think having the ability to talk to people and adults and respecting that there's humans around you and you are not the center of the universe. And what do I mean by that? I think because of, well, technology and I think kids not playing outside as much. The joke is that we had to come up, we'd go outside, our parents wouldn't see us, we'd be with the neighborhood Mm -hmm. kids, doing all the bike. I mean, I remember being in a bike club and (laughs) a creek club. We put on our boots, we would walk through the creek and then we would just come home when it was time for dinner in the summertime. And I think we don't do that as much for several reasons. But because of that, I don't know if our kids really know how to communicate. You know, mm. If you look around a table, if you go out to eat or somewhere, it's like everyone's kind of on their phone. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the vintage values that I want to bring back or make sure our kids have is the ability to hold a conversation, mm. to look someone in the eye, to give them a firm handshake, to stay in you know, stay close, have a conversation and then walk away and not feel as though it's awkward or I just don't know how to talk to an adult. And I don't know how to just have conversation with people their own age. So I think that's one value that I think we need to bring back. Yeah, I think respect goes along with that as well. You know, the looking people in the eye, that sort of thing, just having respect for other people, especially adults. I would say something that I think It wasn't perfect back then. I hate to say, oh, it was so great back then, and it's not now. I I would say people still didn't do this, but finishing what you start. Mm. We talk to our kids all the time, like, look, if you're going to be involved with this team or this sport, if you start it, you're going to finish it. Now, you don't have to do it next season if you don't want to do it anymore, Mm -hmm. but you're not quitting halfway through. That is not an option. You're going to finish it. You're going to try to get better. You're going to be there for your team, or if you're an individual, whatever it is, you're going to finish what you start. I think there's great value in committing to something. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the value there is finishing, commitment, perseverance, determination, all those things kind of rolled into one. It's a lot of values. It's a lot of values. But but I think that that's something that we have to be intentional and actually expressing that to our children because they're presented with a lot of off ramps Mm, to their commitments right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think along with that would be the value of losing 
or something <laughs> being hard. Yeah. I mean, good night. Let's let them lose. They learn so much. I mean, we have. No, everybody doesn't get a trophy. You do not you lost. get a trophy. You don't get a trophy. Lost. You lost. It's okay. It's okay. And it's better. I mean, gosh, that's the other one that kind of turns me the wrong way with everyone's getting the trophy. And I'm like, well, okay, but you didn't win. I mean, it's not that winning is, it just, there's something that ignites in our kids. Like we've seen it. Like when we had a kid who was running track and she thought was really good at one place. And then she, then she didn't win. And she looked at me, she was like, I don't want that to happen again. And so then it's like, daddy, come run with me every day. Come do this. I'm going to do my sit. And it built in her a desire to do better yes. than what she had previously performed. And so that desire and that fire and that fight is something that comes when you don't win all the time. Mm. I think that would be the other one after you just said all those 15 values. I'll add that one. <laughs> I inspired you, huh? You inspired I me inspired to say another you. one. <laughs> you two are so fun to talk with. What would you say building on that is something that was true about life when you were growing up that you wish was still true today? Hmm. I think you mentioned what I, what I was thinking anyway, but like the riding bikes. Mm. Oh, yeah. And it's not true for our kids. I, I mean, where we live, we have some space. It's not the same type of neighborhood that I grew up in. I do talk to other parents and they're like, yeah, my kids ride bikes. They do it all the time. So it's not that it's not happening right yeah. now, but there is more opportunity to be inside and be involved with technology. And that's not all bad. One of the great things that God did for mankind was give us the ability to do things better and to innovate and to create different things. And so the technology isn't all bad. Mm -hmm. But when I look back at, you know, riding bikes and the way you knew where everybody was, was you rode around, you saw a bunch of bikes sitting outside in the yard. They're yeah. like, oh, everybody's there. That must be where, I, that's the house. That's where we need to go. They must have a Kool-Aid <laughs> over there or somebody might be playing Nintendo. So that's where we would go. Yes. And so just this uh -huh. idea of kids living in community and having those types of adventures, it does still happen for sure. But it's something that even when I look at our context with our children that I, I wish for them to have a little bit more of. Yeah, I was going to say something similar to that. You kind of took mine a little bit with the just the whole idea of community. I got one for oh, you. Oh, no, no, I do you, have you, one. You can eat, you can eat food without worrying if it was GMO, organic, <laughs> you <true>. know, <laughs> BPA. You were just, you were just happy to I'm eat. And you weren't even worried about nothing when you were a kid. <laughs> you just so eating true. food. Like, eat it. I don't, it tastes good, I'm going to eat it. I know. It didn't have to be organic. <laughs> exactly. And no, for a foodie, so that, 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 was, that, that was like a weight off of your shoulders. That was so like, freeing. You ain't got to worry about nothing. That's so freeing. You know one thing I do think? I think back in the day... Like we're sold. I think <laughs> if you had an opinion that was different than someone, you knew to not say it, to say it in your household and leave it there. Yes. Or, you know, you just let it go. Like now you just feel like your opinion has to be heard. Like I mm. go through social media. I'm like, you know, you really could have not said that. Like if you don't agree, you just keep scrolling. You don't have to stop and put all this energy into being so extra and negative. And so I think we would disagree with something and, you know, you'd hear it around the table or you hear it, you know, and then you just change the channel. <laughs> you, know, you didn't yes. go and vent somewhere else. I wish that would come back because I think we've lost a little tact. Mm. And I think we've lost the ability to disagree and not feel like you have to be completely canceled out as a person. And like... Yes. It's okay to disagree but and respect each other and still walk away and still maybe not agree completely, but just not feel like the person needs to be wiped off. Completely. She, she low-key talking about me. Right, I am not right talking in front of my about face. you. I am not 
talking about you. <laughs> you trying to talk about you? To... No, oh, okay. never. All right. All right, I didn't know. <laughs> oh, that is good. Those are such great things. Okay, I kind of want to throw a bonus question. Great, Will you please. all let us throw you a little curveball? Sure. All right. Because it's not every day that we get to have someone on this podcast who has had the kind of success athletically, Benjamin, that you have and played on the level you have. And I'd love to even hear you answer that question specific to athletics. Mm. Like what's something that was true about playing sports when you were growing up that you wish was still true about playing sports today for kids? Mm. Okay, here we go. In talking to a lot of parents, they feel tons of pressure to get their kids involved super duper Mm. early and not only involved, but very specialized. Yeah. And that's changed a whole lot from when I was a kid. Uh, when I was playing youth sports, I played one-year youth football, but I didn't really start playing organized football until high school. But I played a lot of soccer growing up, you know, some basketball here and there. But now sports are year-round. They're very... Um, expensive. Expensive. <laughs> They're very expensive. Yes. Yes. People have, you know, and trainers. Even kids have trainers. Even when I was in the league, my 16 years in the NFL, I would talk to trainers that I had sports therapists, even surgeons. And they'll say, you know who keeps me in business is people doing CrossFit, but it's also kids who are who are having overuse injuries. Yes. Like there's no reason for a kid to have an overuse injury. And so there's kind of this weight that I'm seeing where a lot of parents feel like if I don't get my kid involved right now and I don't have them involved 100 hours a week, they're not going to make it to whatever that next level is that we want them to make it to. Whereas before, I never... Even in looking at my parents, now my parents had the money to put me in some of these things, but there wasn't the pressure. You were able to play a multitude of different sports. You're able to go play outside. It wasn't as focused on a single sport. That's something that's changing rapidly. And I think that part of it is because kids have videos, they have highlight films. Colleges are more expensive. So a lot of parents want to get their kids scholarships. There's just a larger pressure, I think, for kids to be involved and involved a lot that there just wasn't when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause did you just say you didn't start playing football until high school? Yeah. Not organized football. I mean, we played in the yard, we played in the street, tackled each other on the concrete. Right. <laughs> I mean, we played, you know, but yes. as far as actually being on a team and tackling people with pads having on, pads having pads, helmets. it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't until yes. then. And look, every sport is different. I do know that there are some sports where, look, you've got to be involved a little bit earlier. For example, gymnastics, gymnastics ballet. ballet. I mean, even, sure. you know, tennis to some respects. I mean, there are certain sports mm-hmm. where it benefits you as a child to start learning them. But when you're seeing parents that are, you know, fighting referees or (laughs) those sorts of things, I I think it's gotten a little bit too far, a little out of hand. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for being willing to speak to that. Yeah. So, okay, let's go old school fun for a minute. So tell us something when you were growing up, each of you that you loved, like a band, a book, a show, it could be anything. Just one of your favorite things. I loved roller skating. Oh, I could see you on roller skates. Listen, I was dancing and then we would go to a place called Sparkles (laughs) Roller Skate. I would love when someone had a birthday party there and you'd have the races and then you get the free Coke if you won. And then you do the hokey pokey. (laughs) Like I I hated how the roller skating ring smelled. You'd go in and you're like, oh, it smells like feet. But then it would just go away and then it was fine. (laughs) So I really did love roller skating as a kid. Oh, man. 
I loved, I'm going to be like you right here oh. and point out a food. Oh, what? Well, it might not really be food, you know, depending <laughs> on the ingredients. But in Columbia, South Carolina, we lived there for three years. My dad was in seminary and he would come home sometime and he would either bring ice cream with him and he walked through the door. He'd say, ice cream, you scream. And we all <laughs> scream ice cream. So he would bring <laughs> ice cream home sometimes. Or what was even better was we would go to this place and they would actually have dipped ice cream cones in chocolate. So you would get your vanilla mm. ice cream, it'd be on mm. a cone, they would dip it in the chocolate right in front of you and pull it out, and then we sit there and eat chocolate-covered mm. ice cream. I mean, you probably oh. never heard me say that before. I don't think and, I've ever heard you, you say like that before. And you like how I described it? You described it really well. I did. Yeah, I did. it made me think of my <laughs> thing, which was McDonald's fries growing up. Oh, oh yes. That was the you can best. Still get, you, can, you can still can get still, those, but now you don't. But I can't now do you know it too much. Completely. I know. You can't say you can't sell out. You can't sell out like you like you wanted to before. <laughs> this is true. This is true. They're like the perfect degree of crispiness. They are. And you know, I uh-huh. remember thinking, yeah. wait till I get my first job. I'm just gonna buy a whole large and sit in the car and eat a whole large by myself. And I just thought that was just so grown. <laughs> yes, the goals. goals. Our goals were a little different back then. One hundred percent. You all thinking about modern and vintage as we've been talking, we have never seen parents as weary as in this season. Mm. And just would love to ask you, what kind of hope would you want to offer parents today? Well, I think my encouragement would be to mom specifically is that you were already thought of to do the job you're doing. Mm. And no one, and I mean no one, no pastor, no youth leader, No hero that your kids look up to can do it better than you. Mm. And you've been equipped, you have been designed, and there's no tricks to the trade. It it is hard work. I mean, we labored moms, these people labored them into the world, Mm. and it does not get easier. It just gets different. And so my encouragement for the weariness is to stay in your word to ignite the power of the Holy Spirit that is within you. And again, it doesn't make the outcome different. It doesn't make the weariness different per se, but it allows you to endure better. Mm. And so I would just encourage you to just find some community, stay in your word, try as much to be on the same page with your partner if that's your situation, because a lot of that I don't have to bear by myself because of Benjamin, thankfully that we do it together as a team. And I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else other than him. And so just step in in those areas where you feel inadequate and be honest. Because I tell my kids all the time, like, I have never had a 13-year-old. I don't know what I'm doing. But you have to trust that when I say no to something, I'm doing it because I've gone before the Lord. Me and daddy have talked about it. And I'm making the best decision that I know to make. And if I'm wrong, I will admit it. But as long as I feel like this is where we're going to go, please just trust me that I'm making the right decision. And so the honesty and that I don't know what I'm doing, I don't have it all together, allows me to be free and allows me to have what I would think is a good relationship with my kids. It doesn't seem superior, but it's honest and real and it's in real time. The weariness will happen, but man, that's when the enemy loves to come and have a field day. So just be powered by the Holy Spirit know who you are and your identity is. I think when we know that for a fact and when that is reinforced by reading his word, it makes us step out into parenting a little bit differently and allows us to look at challenges and trials differently, knowing that we're not alone in it. Yeah. 
You know, sometimes weariness is because you are overcommitted. I think specifically when it comes to men, we sometimes overcommit ourselves to doing too much that is extra and not that which is most important. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of maturity and courage to be able to admit, I don't need to do this because it's taking away from this. Because every decision you make is a transaction. You're accepting to do something and it may be necessary. You know, you have to go to work, you have to do certain things, but it automatically withdraws from some other side of your life. And so sometimes there needs to be a checkup. I've had to do that several times over the last couple of years in leaving the NFL where I had a set schedule. It was, you know, seven in the morning to 530 in the evening. I knew exactly what I had to do. I was very, very busy during those months of the year. I had to say no to a lot of different things, whereas now my schedule is a little bit different. I can do more things, travel here, do this, do that. And it makes it a little bit difficult sometimes when you are overloaded and you're trying to be the husband and the father that God has called you to be, but you're being pulled in so many different directions. And so my advice today would be that sometimes you got to take a checkup. And you got to be honest, are there some things that you need to stop doing? Secondly, I would say you don't have to be the perfect person or the perfect man to be the perfect dad. Mm -hmm. Guilt riddles potential. It pokes holes all in it. It sinks the entire ship because you're so worried about what you didn't do or about what you did that wasn't that great. And you're not able to flourish because you feel like you have to be perfect. Part of being the perfect dad is being present, being there. And then also, I think, you know, what Kirsten said was very important as well, is being able to admit your shortcomings to your spouse and to your kids. Kids are very, very resilient, and they're very accepting of a parent that comes to them with a contrite heart about anything. Mm -hmm. But so many times we want to have this facade of perfection, even amongst our kids, and that doesn't really serve them well long term, thinking that mommy and daddy were perfect when they know that we weren't. So I think that that's something that when it comes to the weariness, and then lastly, which probably should have been the first thing I said, but it's staying plugged into the word. One thing that has been very evident for me is reading God's word on a regular basis, praying, talking to Kirsten about it. It gives me life. And not only life, it gives me perspective on life. And so in those times when you feel super overwhelmed because you have all these deadlines and you feel like they're so important, but then you realize nobody really cares about your deadlines except for you, <laughs> and you're all stressed out about it, yes. it gives you a certain perspective to understand what's truly important and to reorder with that in light. That's good. Mm. Y'all, that's so much truth. Good, good truth. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so besides the seven projects that are living in your house, there are a lot of different things y'all are doing, including a podcast that we haven't even talked about yet. So we all talk about what you're working on and also where folks who are listening, if they don't know you yet, where they can find you. Yes. So we do a podcast called Why or Why Not with the Watsons. And that came about because we literally live as why Benjamin. He's like, why are we doing this? And I am why not in most situations where I'm like, why not? That sounds fun. So that's how we approach many of the things that we do. And so on that podcast, we talk about family, parenting, marriage, how to deal with social issues and all kind of draws back to parenting, even though we're talking about, you know, marriage or whatever, but it's how we are living our life in real time and dealing with all the things that are around us. And so that is everywhere you find podcasts. Yeah. And it's really our date 
it's our date because it's 45 <laughs> minutes. We talk about whatever it is we want to talk about and the kids are not around. So I would continue <laughs> doing it forever. But Benjamin would say, why, why? are we still doing this? Why? <laughs> why? Your, book, your, your book's out. Why? Why are we doing that? Why, like, why not? It's fun. <laughs> so yeah. So the podcast is something that is a lot of fun and that we're doing right now. Yeah, that's probably definitely our biggest project. The Watson7.com is our website where you can find all of us and have all of our social media and stuff. And I also do a little bit of broadcasting with SEC Network during the college football season, right. which the Georgia Bulldogs are national oh, yes, champions. We know. We know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about that in yes. there. Go dogs. Yes. Go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs> exactly. So I do that and also work for an organization called Human Coalition. And we provide services for pregnant women. And we also do state, local, federal legislation surrounding the issue of life and motherhood and really trying to restore families. So mm-hmm. we are... Busy in different ways. Very much so. Different, but the same. Yeah. Yes. Well, we'll link to all of that and we'll link to Sis Take a Breath. Awesome. Too, because we want folks to find their way to that book. Yes, we do. Thank you. And we like to end with something fun. I love that we've already stopped off at French fries and ice cream already. (laughs) You are so our people. (laughs) And we also love tacos around this place and would love to ask if we could share a meal of tacos with the two of you, what kind of taco do you love? Hmm. Carne asada mm. or carnitas, mm. definitely with a nice, not too spicy pico, some avocado, and nice fresh tortillas on the side. Golly, I've, that just made me want tacos. Yeah, I want that, tacos. that was an impressive. Me too. Uh, that, we that, said that. That, that was. That sounded like you just ordered it. I like we were feel sitting like I here. Could do that right now. Yeah, I was just gonna go. Like, I was just gonna go like the fish tacos. Like I just mm. want fish tacos. Yeah. Yeah. Fish tacos, mm. not fried, grilled. Too. Grilled. Mahi. Corn tortilla, mm. flour tortilla. Corn. Uh, corn, corn. You know? Yeah. Mm. I go with the corn. Yeah. I don't know the name of the, all the sauces that go on there, but, you know, <laughs> the good ones. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, y'all. I hope we get to do that. I hope we can all meet up and have a taco or have something. That sounds good. Another conversation soon. Y'all just are delightful. It's you so are. fun to get to talk with. So thanks for being such an encouragement to so many people. Thank you for, for having us. us. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family with shows kids love and values parents trust. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.g-o-m-i-n-n-o.com. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.